Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Ben Fennell, draft analyst for ESPN and the NFL Network, now joining us on the Schneider Orange Hotline. Ben, how you doing? I'm doing fine. We're 10 days away from the uh, the NFL draft in this crazy climate of a world we're living in, but... uh. You know, it's mid-April, and it's the gift that keeps on giving, you know? Yeah, I know. The uh, the NFL, to this point, has been somewhat Teflon. They have only lost the uh, the Vegas portion of their NFL draft. Other than that, at least uh, they have not lost anything as far as being the schedule goes. But uh, here's the next question. When it comes to the NFL draft, the Packers drafting 30, um, I, I know the Packers need a wide receiver. They're, they're looking for a really good downfield guy, somebody that Aaron Rodgers can trust. Uh, we'll, we'll start there because uh, once you get to the latter portion of the first round, without reaching for a second-round talent to elevate them to the first round, uh, who do you think is going to be standing there for the Green Bay Packers at the end of the first round? Well, there's probably going to be a litany of receivers to consider, whether that's Jalen Rieger at a TCU or Denzel Mims or potentially a Justin Jefferson slipping with, uh, you know, the quarterbacks and some edge rushers and like that getting bumped up in the first round like we always see. But there's always going to be that question if an offensive tackle is sitting there. How comfortable does Matt LaFleur feel with Rick Wagner potentially being the starting right tackle with very little competition behind him? If there's an injury, which we know depth gets tested, especially on the offensive line, are they comfortable with Alex Light and going with maybe a day three player as a uh, developmental piece? So, you know, as much as we look at receiver, I'm still concerned about offensive line and the future of that right tackle position. And we know you keep your quarterback upright, the whole offense can then click. So I don't want to load up too many skill players at the expense of the offensive line. Um, give me a thought uh, when it comes to if indeed they do not go in the direction of a wide receiver in that first round. Let's just say their best available player is either a tackle or a, a linebacker, a, a tight end. Um, is there a tight end worthy of late first round pick, by the way? I'm not sure there's a tight end worthy of any first round pick this year. And that's okay because there's a lot of interesting shapes and sizes on day two and day three. There's some primarily flex guys that played a lot in the slot that are really just bigger receivers and really kind of a a shrinking group of those tight ends that have experience putting their hands in the ground. But, you know, the way that uh, Albert Obawakenam from the University of Missouri tested at the combine running 4-4, he's a big bubble butt guy with a good size, has experience putting his hand in the turf. 
I'd love to see the Packers kind of address a more traditional tight end body to mix in with those athletic pieces like Chase Sternberg and Devin Funches, who by all accounts is really just a uh, an undersized tight end. Um, the other question, uh, the Packers, uh, we had mentioned uh, that offensive tackle position. There are going to be some offensive tackles taken in the first round. Uh, and there's also going to be some inside linebacker help, another area in which the Packers are, are a little bit thin. I know they have Warren Burks. Uh, I know they picked up Kirksey. But that's not an area, one, that they value a lot. But then again, we've also seen how bad, if you don't value that position, how bad it can hurt you, specifically on third down, which we saw last year where teams just seemed to run wild over the middle and pick up third and two or third and long. It didn't seem to matter. So give me your thoughts on talent when it comes to the offensive tackle and the middle linebacking position. Yeah, so just taking that backwards, you know, the linebacker position in Green Bay, aside from the A.J. Hawk pick, which was, you know, a top-ten pick, it's really how everybody views the running back position. Don't draft them high and don't pay them because we can find value on day two, day three, find some veteran players. There's a lot of wear and tear on those players. Uh, so, you know, you really have to pick and choose with the battle uh, with paying them as they get later in their, into their careers. I'm ready for the Green Bay Packers to start outscoring opponents in 2020. They were 0-4 in games last year where they allowed 25 points. Now those were their only four losses, which is a good thing but they have to be able to win the shootouts as well. So I would just love to see them really bolster the weapons around Aaron Rodgers, put more threatening pieces around Aaron Rodgers, make defenses back up just a hair with some more speed on the outside. And if they can find some offensive linemen, whether on day one, day two, day three, it's a really deep offensive tackle group that I think if the receiver group wasn't so deep, this tackle group would be getting a lot more consideration. And now what teams have to really weigh is what is the value like on day one versus day two. And I think there's more day two value at receiver than there is at tackle, in my opinion. So if potentially a Josh Jones from the University of Houston is sitting there at 30 or, you know, a Austin Jackson at a USC is sitting there at 30, I would be a little bit more inclined for the Packers to take a top flight tackle and wait for the skill players on day two and day three, where I think there's some more comparable depth. Talking with Ben Fennell, draft analyst for ESPN and the NFL Network. Um, you talk about day two, day three. So the Packers have some questions because you've got a guy like David Bakhtiari's coming up for contract. Their center, Corey Lindsley's coming up. Kenny Clark, their nose tackle. And then there's Aaron Jones, who's going to be coming up on contract. And we talk about the value of a running back. Do the Packers take another running back in this draft to uh, possibly compensate for the loss of Aaron Jones at the end of next season? Or do you just continually stack up on weapons for Aaron Rodgers to say, you know what, we're going to continue to go for it today? I think it's just a collective stack up of weapons and options for the Packers. And the more options you have, the less wear and tear and tread that will, you know, inevitably be, uh, you know, laid upon some of these players. So, I think the production for Aaron Jones was outstanding last year. Obviously, our most explosive player, the playmaker of the offense. But if you can add other playmakers and save some of the wear and tear on his leg and really kind of alleviate some of those between-the-tackle runs that he had to take a lot of hits on, you know, I think that just helps the collective offense. So I just want them to add speed, talent, and threatening presence around the offense there. I would love for them to grab one of these gadget hybrid receivers that looks like a slot receiver. He looks like a running back, whether that's like we had talked about Jalen Rieger at a TCU 
or Devin DuVarnay out of Texas or Lynn Bowden out of Kentucky. Antonio Gibson looks like a running back, but he played slot and ran 4-3-9 at the Combine at the University of Memphis. So there's a lot of intriguing options that I think the Packers can knock out their need in a certain player that's a slot presence, a gadget player, a backfield mate, a wildcat type of player, a returner. There's a lot of players in this draft to just add talent to the Packers offense. And I think first and foremost, get good players around Aaron Rodgers. Um, let me ask you this because I see different guys that are attached. Depending on the mock draft you look at, one mock draft has them taking taking Patrick Queen, the inside linebacker out of LSU. The other one has them taking T. Higgins, the wide receiver. Uh, there's a, a lot of different areas. I mean, mock drafts are just that. You just never know until the board begins to fall, until you know guys begin to come off of that board. But do you see a scenario with the Packers where is there a first-round talent that's, say, available at 20, 23, 24, where the Packers take one of those, not compensatory picks, but one of their picks because they do have compensatory, and jump up and grab somebody that's going to be that impact guy? Who would best complement Aaron Rodgers? You know, before free agency, I would have made a couple cases for that. You know, going after a Christian Kirksey, I feel pretty good about the linebacker position that I don't expect them to be super aggressive, uh, you know, and moving up in round one if potentially a Patrick Queen or a Murray was sitting there at 20 to 25. Before Christian Kirksey, I thought that was an option. So now on the offensive side of the ball, I'm not really sure who would be available there that would make the Packers say, yes, we need to go get that guy. Because if it's a receiver option, I think somebody will fall to them at 30. There's a lot of comparable talent on day two. The interesting position is the pecking order of the tackles. And if potentially one of these tackles slips at the expense of maybe a quarterback getting bumped up or a weak interior defensive line class getting bumped up over these tackles, you know, is there a chance maybe uh, a Jedrick Wills falls or an Andrew Thomas or even a Tristan Wirfs is maybe sliding in that 15 to 20 range and the Packers say, you know what? This is a dream case scenario. we got to go get this guy. He could be a tackle for 10 years for us. That's more of the scenario than maybe one of the skilled players, the receivers, the tight ends, the running backs uh, that we're all thinking of adding around Aaron Rodgers. I think a lot more day two value to sit and wait for those skilled players. Give me your thoughts on Jonathan Taylor. Coming out of Wisconsin, uh, a very durable running back, but uh, the only knock on him is that he drops the ball every now and then. Yeah, I love that they involved him in the pass game a little bit more in 2019. That's no secret that he really wasn't, uh, you know, running back involved in the pass scheme. But I love his vision between the tackles, obviously, from a pro-style scheme that he knows how to use that combination of patience and burst and waiting for blocks on a lot of power and counter schemes at Wisconsin there. And having that knack for between the tackles and the vision and the lower body explosiveness and then the home run speed, this guy didn't just run track. He won the 100 meters in New Jersey pretty much as a hobby because he didn't do a spring sport. This guy has explosive home run speed all day long. I'm just not sure what you're going to do with him on third down. Can you isolate him against the linebacker and ask him to run an angle route or isolate him in space on a screen game? So I just wonder what his value is on third down, and that's why I think guys like a DeAndre Swift or a J.K. Dobbins maybe has a little bit more three-down value than a Jonathan Taylor, but if you're looking for somebody to run between the tackles and beat up a defense and make them really wear down and have to tackle this guy late in ball games, that that's what Jonathan Taylor can do. And he was obviously very, very productive at Wisconsin. 
I was looking at some uh, mock drafts over the weekend. Uh, Zach Bond, uh, are they valuing outside pass rushers more so than running backs? For a long time, I was watching Jonathan Taylor, high second-round type of draft choice. Now, all of a sudden, on these boards, running backs are starting to fall, and you've got Zach Bond moving up. And it's not to say that he's a better or more talented player than, than Jonathan Taylor, but is the value for the outside linebacker and that pass rusher higher now than, say, the running back position. Yeah, there's a good conversation for that. And the Zach Bond complex is such an interesting conversation, and we go through this every draft cycle. Is he a tweener or is he a hybrid? And if you don't like him, he's a tweener. And if you do like him, he's a hybrid. And the question is, where are you playing him on early downs in, uh, comp- you know, in comparison with his draft value? And if he is just a situational pass rusher, where do you take that style of player? And there's a couple others in the draft like that, whether that's Josh Uchi at the University of Michigan or Bryce Huff out of Memphis, you know, guys that are undersized, explosive edge rushers. But what are you going to do with them on early downs? Can they play off the edge and stop the run? Can you transition them to off-ball backer like Zach Bond did at the Senior Bowl that a lot of people feel comfortable but we've seen Hassan Reddick of the world try to make that transition and fail. We've seen Joe Schobert of the world make that transition and succeed. So we have case studies for both ways. It's just a matter of how do you feel he projects and then what is his value on draft day for what you're asking him to do. Ben, always a pleasure. Appreciate it. I'm sure after the draft we're going to break it all down with you as well just to see how the Packers actually did. But uh, thanks for joining us and stay safe, my friend, okay? You as well. Thanks for having me on, buddy. Appreciate it. There you go. Ben Fennell, draft analyst for ESPN and the NFL Network. You can find him at Ben Fennell underscore NFL, at Ben Fennell underscore NFL. You can find him on Twitter there. He joins us on the Schneider Orange Hotline. Schneider hiring drivers right now. You work hard. They treat you fair. 80-plus years they've been getting it done. Call them 844-PRIDE or go to schneiderjobs.com. 844-PRIDE or go to schneiderjobs.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law